it's always fun to hear our kids as they uh, get ready for Christmas and the fun of it. But this has truly been an unexpected season for us as we've uh, gotten ready for this Christmas. And as we've been saying throughout this series, uh, with God, we should expect the unexpected. He does work in, in unexpected ways. And the scripture that Danielle read for us uh, is one of those well-known scriptures. We've all heard it before, probably in one way or another. And, but we often don't take the time to truly reflect on it and, and to see what it's actually saying. And, and we usually only read that scripture during this time of year. And then we kind of put it away until next year. But we really need to, to reflect on this scripture throughout the year because this scripture truly resonates throughout the year. So I want us to, uh, today, as we're looking at this uh, famous text, to kind of step back in time a little bit as we uh, reflect on this and, and try to put ourselves into this story uh, as we peek into the most important event in history. This is bigger than any other event we've ever witnessed, the story that we read. This moment is more important than any other moment in our lives, more awe-inspiring than anything we can think of. In the grand scheme of things, COVID-19 doesn't even show up on the radar compared to this event that we're celebrating today. This event changed everything. It's the culmination of all of the Old Testament, Uh, and, and it's the focus of all of history. It's the reason why we have B.C. and A.D., it changed everything, and it should change our lives. So I want to read for you the, this morning the verse that marks the very moment. And it's one verse before our scripture reading. It's, it's verse 7 of chapter 2. But before we read it, I, I want us to just take a moment of silence as we prepare our hearts for this verse. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment that changed everything. Amen. And here it is. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, it's a little bit anticlimactic. <laughs> I, it's amazing how Luke can pack so much in this one verse, yet say so little. It, 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 it leaves me kind of wanting more. Uh, part of the problem, though, is that we live in such a time that is so comfortable, even with COVID, that we don't sense the impact of this verse. But this verse is so unexpected. Here we have the Savior of the world, the King of creation, the Messiah, God with us. And we're reading about bands of cloth and a feeding trough. It is quite unexpected and because there's no place in, in the inn. Can you think of anything else more unexpected than this? And Luke only uses one verse to tell us about this verse, this birth And this is part of the proof that Luke was written by a man, right? Right? Because if it was written by a woman, it'd have been a lot more than just one verse. Amen? You you guys, yeah? 
In fact, it, it kind of makes me laugh whenever I, uh, because I've been there before with my wife. You know, I might say, hey, do you hear so-and-so had a baby? And, and, and she's like, oh yeah, was it a boy or a girl? And I'm like, I think it was a boy. And, and she, well, what's the name? And I'm like, I, I can't remember. Well, how big was it? I don't know. And how long was she in labor? Is her hair? You know, I'm just like, you're going to have to talk to them. I didn't catch any of those details. But we do have to give Luke a little bit of a break as he's writing this text because Luke is dealing with limits in technology, right? You know, they had only so much in a scroll and he had to put all of this on this scroll. So he does pack a lot in this little verse, but sometimes we're going to have to kind of pay attention to more of the details as we, as we look at, at, at it. And, and when we read scripture, we do need to pay attention. So often we just quickly read through it and we're, and we're not paying attention. It, it, it reminds me too that if we don't know the whole story of the Bible, then we're going to miss some of these details. How, how the Bible has been pointing to this very moment and we'll miss out on its significance. We have to pay attention. We have to pay attention. Teachers, you've been saying it all semester to your students. Pay attention. Uh, parents, you've been saying it all year, all your life to your kids. You got to pay attention. Wives, you've been telling your husbands, pay attention. Because husbands were going, what do you want for Christmas? And they're like, have you not listened to anything? Have you not heard any of the hints I've been dropping? We have to pay attention. And this is, God is telling us, pay attention. This is important. Slow down. As you read this, you've got to read in between the lines. You've got to focus and, and focus on these details that we have in this one small verse. And, and so before we move on to the unexpected messengers of this moment, because they didn't have modern hospitals. They didn't have modern hotels and places to stay. And, and this most important detail, though, as we're reading this verse, is this report on the place where the baby is, is placed in, in a manger in a feeding trough. Isn't that fascinating? And it recalls actually God's complaint against Israel back in Isaiah chapter one, verse three. We read these words, the ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. It's basically saying a donkey knows where to go to get the food out of the, out of the trough. The, the donkey is basically smarter than you. Thankfully, he uses the word donkey and not the other word. You are a, a donkey here because you're not paying attention. You're not seeing all of these things that I'm doing. You're not, Israel wasn't prepared for the coming of their king. And that's to their shame. So the king of the world is born in a manger. Unexpected, right? And what other king of royal descent comes in this way? Right? If, if there's going to be a birth of royal descent, what happens? The whole country, the whole nation is ready. They're prepared. They're getting ready. You know, the hospital's ready. They have doctors standing by. Everyone is prepared. Everything is getting set. But it doesn't seem like that with this birth. But God had prepared for it. And that's, that what we, that's what we have to understand. God did prepare for it. And there's a reason why this takes place this way. Because with God, we can expect the unexpected. But there's a reason behind, I believe, why God does it this way. So let's continue to kind of peek into this story. 
But as we look there, as we're looking on this scene with, with the baby in a manger, and a manger is a feeding trough, it, it kind of evokes this image for me that here we have Jesus. Uh, he is, in a sense, food for the world. And if we know the story a little bit, if we know Bethlehem, the, the city Bethlehem, Bethlehem, the house of bread. Bethlehem means house of bread. And so here in the city called house of bread in a feeding trough is the king of the world, the bread of the world. Here God has come to feed us so that we can be nourished and taken care of. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. You know, throughout Luke, we have these images of food and meals are important and they reveal oftentimes the mission uh, and ministry of, of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I like that because as Methodists, we're good at doing food. We're good at getting together in community and eating and fellowshipping and it's biblical. So right here, you see this, that we have this community that God is doing. But we do have to kind of read between the lines of the story to fully grasp the impact. Because if you peek in between the, the lines, you see that into this corrupt, confusing time in an obscure corner of a Roman empire, a nondescript couple comes into Bethlehem in obedience to a decree issued worlds away. And this earth-shattering event happens in just a few verses. The engaged pregnant woman uh, senses it's her time to give birth. The baby is born wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, placed in a feeding trough because there's no room in the city anywhere else. You know, I think too often as, as Christians, we, we shake our head at unbelievers. And we say, why, why won't you believe? But if you were to really just stand there in that moment and look in on this scene, this is unbelievable, right? This is hard to believe. No one's gonna believe this. The king of the world, born in a manger. But the arrival of this king of kings, it, it came without the typical fanfare that a king comes. But there is an announcement. The good news of this birth of God's anointed one could not be confined to the stable. Uh, there had to be messengers to this good news. And that's our text today. A messengers announcing the coming of a king, this good news. But, but how God chose to communicate this message again is unexpected, isn't it? And, and there's this great contrast going on in our text that Danielle read earlier. And, and I want to reread this text again uh, and, and see if you can't see this contrast that's going on. And so as I read this text, some of you might want to just kind of close your eyes, maybe place yourself in the story if you can. Other of you, of you might just want to look at it on the screen. But, but just really, as I read it, reflect on it, place yourself in the story. See what God might reveal to you again in this amazing story. So it says, in that reason, region around Bethlehem, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a child 
wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in a manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all of these things, these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Great passage. But do you see the contrast that's taking place in this testimony to the birth of Jesus? Who are the first messengers of the birth? They're angels. The angels are the first to proclaim this birth. The host of heaven is proclaiming the birth of the king, the Messiah. I can't think of any other royalty, can you, that when they came to the throne, that the heavens opened up and and angels started proclaiming, yeah, this is the king. Can you think of any other royalty? I don't think so. But here in this birth, we have the heavens opening up and we get to peek into the spiritual realm. And, And I can't think in all of creation, I can't think of anything more wondrous, glorious, or mysterious than angels. And they're the ones proclaiming this birth, the heavens opening up. And I can just picture the scene. It must have been terrifying and glorious all at the same time. And if you think about it, you know, when Mary, when she became pregnant, it was only one angel, Gabriel, who came and proclaimed that she was going to be pregnant. And Joseph, that same angel, Gabriel, proclaimed to him that he was going to, to, to be the father here. And, but the shepherds, they didn't just get one angel. They got the whole host of angels proclaiming. The heavens are filled with them. And, and, and the first recipients of this announcement, shepherds, the shepherds. Now, for this time and place, there isn't any more ordinary, normal people than than shepherds. They are, they kind of represent the everyday man and woman. They represent the the, the lowly, the the humble. We we see shepherds throughout the Bible, and and they're kind of like the blue-collar workers of the day. For for us here in in this part of the country, in Canyon, Texas, it's almost like the feedlot workers of the day. That's who the angels come to proclaim to first, just the ordinary, everyday people. You see this great contrast, don't you? Heaven meets and greets the average, everyday person. It's not royalty that hears the message first, although if they had been paying attention, they might have been ready. It was the shepherds, the ordinary. How unexpected is that? Here we have these unexpected messengers And what's the message they bring? Do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. Someone needs to hear that today. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. This is what the angels proclaim. Don't be afraid. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life right now. I know there's chaos. Don't be afraid. 
I know that you're wondering how you're going to get through this holiday. Don't be afraid. I know some of you are struggling with with grief and with sickness and illness, and God is saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? For today, I am bringing you good news of great joy. For who? Everybody. This isn't just a Jewish king. This is everybody's king. Don't be afraid. It doesn't matter what chaos you're in because you now have been given great joy. It changes everything, not just for Jews, but for everybody, not just for those who are educated, those who have their life together, but for all of us. This is good news for the whole world. This announcement of the birth, it encompasses a response from all parts of creation, from the lowliest of people tending sheep to the heavenly hosts watching over the world. This is amazing. This is the hinge of history. This is good news and nothing's gonna be the same. Everything has changed. So the shepherds, they hear the message from the angels and what do they do? It says they take off, they go to Bethlehem. They're gonna check this out. They're not gonna miss this event. There's no way they're going to miss this. They, they want to see and be a part of this experience. And, and I think I'm glad the angels gave them the message. This is what you're going to go look for, right? Because otherwise they'd have been looking in the wrong place. You're going to go look for a baby lying in a manger wrapped in strips of cloth. This is a, one of those details where you're like, if I was a shepherd, I'm glad you told me to look there because I wouldn't have been looking there for the king to come, Right? But so that when they get there and it happens, okay, here's a baby. He's in a, a feeding trough and he's wrapped in strips of cloth. This must be the baby they were talking about, right? It's an amazing event. They wanted to be a part of this experience and, and they're amazed when they get there. And I just wonder what they're thinking as they're there. I wonder what Mary and Joseph are thinking. But what do they do after that? The text is this. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And then they go back to work. They praise and glorify God and they tell everyone what they'd seen and heard. So here we have this birth and we have these unexpected messengers as the, the heavenly host opens up. These angels come down to proclaim. And then we have the second group of unexpected messengers as the, the shepherds receive and then they go and tell. But there's one more group of unexpected messengers, one more group of people that we haven't heard from yet in the story. One more group that's actually critical to this story. One more group of unexpected messengers. Do you know who it is? It's you. It's you. You're the last group of unexpected messengers. Because as we read in, as we peek in onto this story, that's our calling. You have been called to be that next unexpected messenger to to spread the news. You're the one who goes out into the world and, and tells your coworker, hey, you don't have to be afraid. I know it's tough. You don't have to be afraid because you know why? Because I'm here to bring you good news of great joy for you. Hey, you don't have to be afraid. I know things are tough, but I, I know you've lost someone you love, but you don't have to be afraid. You know why? Because we have hope for the future. This is the good news that we have been given. 
You are the unexpected messenger in the story. You are called to go and proclaim that good news, to glorify and praise God. That is our job. That is our role. That is the reason why we gather this day. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, how grateful we are for this story of good news. We don't have to live in fear anymore. Yeah, we know things are tough. We know things get us down. But overall, God, help us to just take a moment and to reflect on this news that you have given us, this great joy that we receive. For a baby has been born, and the world will never be the same again, and our lives will never be the same again. So we rejoice this day. Come, Holy Spirit, walk with us as we worship you, as we share your love with the world. We give you thanks and we give you praise. Amen.